Welcome to Golf Better at Edwin Watts Golf. Episode 168. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Purcell. Thanks so much for joining us. We say it every time. If you're a first-time listener, long-time subscriber, or somewhere in the middle, either way, we don't care. We're just glad you've joined us today. And we have a very special guest, someone who's near and dear to the show and to our area here in the southeast United States, but he's kind of being known nationwide and worldwide. He's the uh, the man with the name attached to him is Dew Sweepers, the Dew Sweepers Golf Academy and the Dew Sweepers Golf Show. Joining us from down in Daytona Beach, Florida, Mr. Tony Ruggiero. Tony, thanks so much, man. It's great to catch up with you. Tom, great. I appreciate you having me. It's been a while since I've been on, and always great to talk with you. And, you know, we uh, appreciate everything you do and the folks at watch. You've been with me a long time. We've had a great relationship. It's a lot of fun. Well, the last time we spoke was uh, December of 2012. It was right before you, you were in the planning stages of going to watch your beloved Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the uh, <laughs> down, down that in didn't Miami. Turn out that well. Didn't turn out so well. It was almost like if you're a Denver Broncos fan this past year with the Super Bowl, it just kind of it just kind of mushroomed after the first or second drive. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I I'm glad that some of my planning and preparation for some of these golf tournaments turned out better than it did for the Notre Dame national championship game. So, uh, anyway, but it was a fun trip. I got to go. I, I, I have with Bobby Wyatt and Bo Van Pelt, and Mark Wood. We got to uh, sit and watch the game. So, you know, it was tough being next to a couple of Alabama fans, but uh, but it was good fun. Let's talk about what's happening with Dew Sweepers and your show and your academy, but you just mentioned that name, Bobby Wyatt. What a what a player, what a thrill I'm sure it has been for you to uh, still be with him and, and coach this guy. Like I told you off the air, it seems like he's still in high school to me. It's Time's gone so fast. You know, it's wild. It's been, a, it's been an interesting trip. I mean, like I told you off the air, it's, uh, uh, you know, I've taught him for eight years, so I taught him as a freshman in high school, so you, you watch somebody go through high school and grow and mature and and, and not just as a player, but as a person, I think one of the things that, that I respect and admire most about him and, and our friendship is, as we've worked together is the person he's turned into and then go through college and, and, uh, you know, excel in academics as well as on the golf course and to watch him win two national championships, uh, you know, to become the number one amateur in the world, uh, you know, to watch him, you know, he was the number one junior in the world before he went to college and, uh, play on the Walker cup, represent the United States. All those things are, are pretty cool things. And, and then to watch him key off, you know, on the first hole in the, his first PGA tour event. So it's, it's been a neat ride. We're, we're awfully proud and excited of what he's accomplished. And, and, you know, certainly we played a little part in it, but it's, but it's a lot of fun. There's so many great players coming out of college now, and you mentioned it, that they do so many things individually that are just fantastic. But uh, what's Bobby said about what you mentioned, national championships? That's got to be uh, – not everybody can do that. As a matter of fact, only five guys can, I guess, every year uh, at the Division One level. What's he said about that? You know, I think it's, it's special. I think that, uh, you know, the first one I think was uh, was – a relief. I think there was a lot of pressure on them to do it. I think that the, that group of and collection of, of players, when you take Corey Whitsitt, Bobby Wyatt, uh, Justin Thomas, Trey Mullinax, uh, at that time, you know, you look at those guys, the, the Scott Strohmeyer, I mean, they were an incredibly talented, uh, you know, group and, and really having lost the year before to Texas in the final match. You know, on the 18th hole, you know, I think they really wanted to do that. And, you know, they all went there to the University of Alabama to, to bring Alabama a national championship. So to do it was a, was a huge thing. But I think that, you know, uh, I think that having accomplished all that they did as seniors and have, and stayed there for four years, 
I think last year's was, uh, and then was real emotional. I think it was a special, uh, thing because they had, you know, uh, you know, they really were kind of marked all year and they had that great stretch where they had lost the tournament and so forth. So I think last year was a little bit different. Uh, but you know, it, it, great accomplishment to watch those, watch those boys. And, you know, I had Robbie Shelton on the team last year. So to have two guys participate in, in the national championship and, uh, you know, you know, last year and the year before, I actually taught Trey Mullinex while he was on the team uh, that year in his junior year. So it was a neat experience. And it's going to be neat for them as well as as was last time when they get to uh, take the field at Bryant-Denny Stadium in front of 109,500-plus and uh, be recognized in, uh, in front of the standing ovation because that's always cool. Yeah, it is. That was a cool deal, go up and watch watch those guys get their rings. And, you know, I was invited to go up and spend the – the weekend up there with them and it was a it was a neat just a neat experience i mean you know we've talked about it here and we've talked about it on the air and off the air i mean you know, it's just watching folks grow up and achieve the things they do and uh you know to to help that and guide that every little bit and and you know the neat thing about the the guys that i'm fortunate enough to coach and share time with is that they're very appreciative uh, you know, of the sacrifices that we all make to get them there. And they, and they're very humble in that respect. So, uh, so it makes it nice, makes the trip worthwhile. Tony Ruggiero joining us and Tony, your, your brand is dew sweepers. That's what you're known <laughs> as. And it's great. Tell us a little bit about what's going on, not only with the Academy, but also the dew sweepers golf show on Sirius XM and also your local affiliate. Well, you know, the show, the show's been on a long time now, you know, we've been on PGA tour radio, I think for, uh, six years or so we've been all of our all our affiliates have been on eight or so years and, and again the folks at edwin watts have been you guys going way back have been the biggest sponsor and been with us the longest time so it, it just continues to do what it what it's doing and, and it keeps getting more and more popular we're on twitter we get a lot of people you know can always tweet us questions about their game at, at do sweeper golf and, and, and equipment questions and so forth so it, it's been a it's a fun deal in my wildest you know, thoughts I would have never way back when we first did the show there, you know, in Fort Walton live, uh, the first, very first time I drove down highway 98 to go do that show at six in the morning, you know, I would have never thought that all these years later, we'd still be having guests on and it'd be heard nationally or any of that stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's a cool deal. Sometimes you wonder, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure you do this doing the podcast, but you, sometimes you do things and you think there's, no way anybody listens to it or there's no way uh, it sounds very good but you know folks seem to love it and they keep tweeting questions and we get we hear great things from other teachers i think that's a neat thing too is to have other top teachers that you respect and know how good they are send you notes emails or uh texts or whatever that say hey i heard the show what a great job it makes you feel proud about what you do and the academy i think you've moved base of operations over to mobile alabama but you still cover the whole southeast one little misconception i think is some people may think you only work with really great players because they turn out great i mean that's not really true is it no no you know tom we, we've got uh, we're building a facility in february at the country club of mobile uh that's going to be really nice that's why i'm the director of instruction there but Wayne Flint, who's, uh, we've been partners on the Dew Sweepers Golf School for, for a good while. Uh, he's based out of Birmingham. We're building just a state of the art teacher facility down there in watercolor on the Gulf of Mexico at Camp Creek. And we also, you know, we do a lot of club fitting there, actually involved with Edwin Watts and the folks there, uh, building a facility that'll be up before the end of the fall. So, uh, you know, got neat things going on the instruction side. Folks are coming from all over, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it is a misconception. We're so well known, I guess, which is nice to be getting all these great young folks and 
tour players and stuff coming to you. But, you know, I mean, I get as big a kick out of teaching the, you know, the 18 handicapper that, and get them to shoot, start shooting 82, 83 regularly as I do getting somebody to, you know, win a big amateur event. I mean, it, it, their goals are the same. I mean, to reach their goals uh, means just as much to the guy that wants to break 80 for the first time. So uh, just helping them put together a plan and doing it. Knock on wood, we've had some good success getting folks of all skill levels to do it. And it's just fun. I mean, now we get together and, you know, we have folks coming from New York or, uh, you know, we have folks coming from all over the country flying in and spending some time with us. So uh, it's a pretty neat deal. Tony, let me pick your brain a little bit with some current events. I guess we'll call this the Clint Eastwood segment. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. I guess we'll go down that road. Yeah. But the good as far as recent events. What I saw a couple weeks ago, the and it's a threesome, Rory, Sergio, and Ricky. How good was that? I thought it was great. I thought it, I think that uh, yeah, I think in golf we've always been fortunate that is is one person fades off. You know, a, a new person, you know, comes along. I think, you know, like as Palmer started to fade off, you know, Nicholas was in his prime and we had Jack. And then, you know, as Jack started getting older, he obviously had great moments like the 86 Masters, but, you know, you had Watson come along. And, and I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing Tiger and Phil, you know, getting towards the end of their career. Obviously, they still got things they can do and great things to accomplish, but we're starting to see Rory McElroy. Uh, Ricky Fowler, you know, Sergio, I mean, sometimes, you know, we feel like Sergio has got to be 50 years old because he's been out there since he's 17 years old, but you know, he's only, you know, he, you know, he's in his thirties and, and he's still got a lot of golf left. And I thought the way they play was great golf. I thought it was good that, you know, Rory didn't, nobody just folded up and gave it to him. He had to play great golf for four days, you know, to be Ricky Fowler and shoot four rounds in the sixties. And even though he finished second, uh, I guess it was still just great golf. And, and I think that Ricky, the Ricky Fowlers of the world, uh, the, you know, the Jordan Spieth, hopefully the Bobby Wyatt's and the Robbie Sheldon, those guys coming along are great for the game and they get a lot of interest from young fans. And I think that when you're on your side, like Edwin Watts golf or you're on our side teaching golf, I mean, we need those young folks that, that help get people interested in the game. Yeah. I thought also that, uh, ESPN and, and ABC did a fantastic job, uh, with the broadcast, especially a few times with the shot tracker behind the guys, because they mm-hmm. Rory and Ricky and Sergio, they made it look so easy. I mean, they've got two <laughs> irons in their hands or something, and they're just hitting that little five yard draw down there like there's nothing to it. Makes it look makes it look fun. Yeah, they do make it look easy. You know, I think that's one of the things that always you know people, uh, the average golfer. You know, you go to a driving range, you go there in Fort Walton, or you go to my place at the club and. And you sit there and you watch the average golfer. They look like they're working really hard to not get a whole lot out of the golf shot, you know, whether it's distance or accuracy. And then you watch those guys and, and they look, it looks so effortless and they're able to do it. And obviously that comes from good mechanics and good fundamentals. But, uh, you know, I think that, that they play the game at a very high level, but they keep it very simple. I think that's one thing I always take when I'm out there and you watch some of the best players in the world practice or play and, I think the average golfer and the folks that are coming in and out of your stores are, I think sometimes they're trying to, they're, they're trying to make the game really, really complicated. And, and I think they get it to a point where it's so complicated that they don't have a very good chance at executing any of the things that they need to do. Well, that was, that was one of the goods. Let's talk about, I don't know that this is really bad, but it's kind of interesting uh, as far as the good, the bad, and the ugly, but the uh, kind of the role reversal 
from the U.S. Open and the and the Open Championship, it, didn't it look like when we were watching at Pinehurst that we're looking at a at a, at a British golf course and we look at we're looking at Hoylake and it almost looks American. Yeah, it was different. It was a different setup for tournaments. I was at Pinehurst, had three folks playing, and you know Pinehurst is a place that I learned to play golf as a kid with my grandfather retiring there and spent all my summers there from the time I was about. Uh, you know, eight or nine till 16 years old. So, you know, it was a neat place to go back to. And, you know, they really turned that golf course, Crenshaw course, turned that golf course back into what it used to be. You know, and it, when I saw it back as a young kid, it hadn't, it, it was still like it was then, although this was more severe than, you know, or more European or lengthish than I guess it was during those days. But, you know, I liked it. I thought the golf course was really good. I thought it was, it was, you know, it's just different. And anytime something's different, you're going to have, folks on both sides of the fence you know uh you know your guys that are really good ball strikers that are really good drivers of the golf ball they're going to want the rough up real high because they you know, they want to penalize the people that don't hit it as straight but uh i thought it was a good setup i mean if you look at that tournament it was a great tournament with the exception of the guy that won i mean you know <laughs> you take Keimer out of the mix everybody's really bunched up there around one two over to one two under heck i mean you just had a great player get really hot for one week putt well, do everything well, and he's one of the best players in the world, and he made everybody else, you know, not look very good. Yeah, I believe it was Dottie Pepper. She was there, obviously, walking the fairways for ABC and the uh, the, the dormant areas that we saw on TV. She said about the only people that she hears complaining about those areas are the viewers on TV because they don't like it. They want it to be green. The guys out there loved it because they're not hitting out of six feet, you know, first and second cuts. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it didn't look pretty. I thought some of the comments, you know, by people on Twitter and, you know, there were people that criticized it. I mean, I think it would be hard to criticize if you weren't there. I didn't really hear any criticism by anybody that was at the event. You know, a player or two made a comment that, you know, they didn't like the setup. But, you know, there's going to be people that don't like setups on on both sides of fences. So, you know, I, I think if you were there and you saw what the golf course played like, looked like, and you could – you know, appreciate the beauty of that of that place and that village and everything that golf means there. I think you'd have a hard time complaining. Let's go to the ugly, and this is a this is a touchy one. And uh, just get, again, just getting your opinion on it. I guess it was last week that one of uh, one of the competitors in the retail area, Dick Sporting Goods, announced that they had to let go teaching pros in their stores. I think the number was right around five hundred or something like that. And you know, gosh, we've had Mark King on. I've had uh, Cindy Cindy Davis from Nike Golf talking about how do we get people out there? What do we do? What can we do to grow the game? And I'm not sure it's just getting people out there. But uh, what are your thoughts on what's going on right now, Tony? Well, this, I mean, if you want me to be politically correct, I could guess I could be. But you know, uh, you know, Tom, I, I think the industry as a whole on the golf instruction side and the PGA and the and that golf side has done a really poor job. At, uh, at promoting and growing the game. And I think that, you know, in Dick's, you've had, you've had a 500 golf professionals, uh, brought in that are called golf professionals that probably really weren't very good at teaching or understanding or growing the game. And I think to grow the game and to make people, we got to make people play better golf and playing better golf is, is helping get people learn to play. And we've got to get people that really know how to teach people to grip the club, you know, make a divot, get a square club face and hit the ground and get good fundamentals out there to people instead of, uh, you know, just having a bunch of people that that don't understand those things try to teach people. And, and I keep getting frustrated. I get upset when I see folks that, 
don't have a clue about doing that, trying to teach people. And it isn't about the dollar rate or what they charge per lesson, but we got to get more competent people understanding how to help and teach people. And on the equipment side, <clears throat> you guys do a great job, you know, helping fit and sell equipment. And I think we've got to get, uh, you know, we've got to get uh, the manufacturers to understand that you can't be coming out with something every every eight months. You know, I think that hurts the I think that hurts the business. But uh, you know, the Dix thing was sad for you know for a lot of folks. But uh, I mean, I don't know that. Realistically, we you know, knowing the economy, knowing the status of golf, that, that nobody couldn't have seen that coming. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. Well, I, I kind I kind of go back to you know, people say, "Gosh, I'd like it the way it was." Like if they want to drive through Destin, Florida, and say, "I wish it was the way it was in the '70s." Well, we can't have it that way because in the '70s there was no jobs; it was just one traffic light. Yeah. And back in the day, you know, when these companies weren't publicly traded, uh, you'd have companies like Ping would have. How long was the I two iron out there in their in yeah, in their forever. repertoire? Forever. Yeah. yeah. Forever. Uh, but but it, when you're publicly traded and you have that pre- those earnings pressures and and it's just it's it's just part of the business and it's 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 kind of sad but you know when you when you have three driver launches in less than less than 14 months you go like what was wrong with the old one you know right right i think that's you know and, and again i be the first one to tell you i don't understand that side of the industry or, or pay attention to it probably near as much as i should but uh, you know i know that you know heck i fit a lot of equipment you know you have people that come in with a last year's driver and they got the latest and greatest new one they're getting fit for, and you put them on a track, man, the numbers are, are, are very much the same. And I think that what we're experiencing on a fitting side is that because last year's model was really pretty good, that when now that you have this technology with TrackMan and it can really tell you what's going on, it's harder to show that this new one that's just come out is doing anything different. You know, I think that's hard. Uh, so, you know, that's why I really think that to grow – business and, and to grow the game of golf. I mean, we've got to get back to really teaching people how to play and to score better and to have more fun. And I think if you do that, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to get people back out there spending money. If, if they have crummy fundamentals and they don't hit the ball very good and they hit big slices, I mean, it really doesn't matter how great the driver is. They may hit it a little better in a net in a store, but when they get it on the golf course, they're going to still hit a pretty crummy shot, play bad, and then they're going to get frustrated. And then after a period of time, they get tired of spending four hundred dollars every six months or eight months for a driver. And just getting people to understand that getting some help and getting some instruction and getting and getting fit, it's not a, it's not a sign of weakness <laughs> because it's more fun when you get better at it. You know, one of the most fun things I've ever gotten to do uh, teaching golf and, and doing stuff with y'all was we went and did a fitting day with Cleveland Golf down at the Villages, Florida. At y'all store down there at the Villages and. We had, uh, we, all we did was Wayne Flint and I, we were down there for the PGA show, and all we did was take these people coming in with their old drivers, and we would get their numbers that they had on our, you know, on our track band or whatever it was we had there then, and get their numbers, show them how far they hit it, and all we did was fix every single person's grip so that they had a good grip on there and fix their setup in their ball position. We were there three or four hours, and we sold like eight or $9,000 worth of golf equipment. It was phenomenal. And I, and I remember saying, you know, I mean, if you could just go and just get people to hold the club right to where they get the face halfway square, shoot, I mean, they're going to hit it further. They're going to hit it better. And it was, you know, uh, so it was a neat experience. It really, you know, was an eye-opener to me that, hey, this is something that, you know, on every level of what we do, teaching and fitting golf, I mean, heck, we got to get people with good fundamentals. 
Well, Tony, once again, it's been great having you on. I, I hate that it's been two years, but I don't know if it took you that long to get off the uh, the the, uh, the 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 butt kicking Notre Dame took in the national championship game. But they are back. Brian Kelly does have them headed in the right direction. Golson's back this year, so uh, hopefully, good thing for the Irish, and it's going to be a fun football season with the first ever uh, first ever championship series, the playoff series. But final thoughts from Tony Ruggiero, you to our listeners. You know what? I think just if you really want to get better at the game of golf and you want to enjoy it, I think you've got to find somebody that's going to make it simple and get you on a program where you know exactly what you're trying to do, exactly what you're working on, how to monitor it a little bit. Find somebody to help you do that, and you're going to enjoy the game. And if you enjoy the game, it's a great game. It's been great to you, Tom. I know it's been great to me, great to my family, and, uh, you know, it's a special thing. So get somebody to give you some good help, and it's going to be a great game. You're going to have some fun. Tony, thanks so much. It's great having you, man. Talk right, again soon. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. Once again, Tony Ruggiero from Dew Sweepers Golf Academy and the Dew Sweepers Golf Show on PGA Tour Network, Sirius, XM Radio, and also on your local affiliates. Well, thanks again for Tony for taking the time, carving the time out, and telling us a little bit about what's going on in his life and his opinions, what's happening in the game right now. And thanks again to you, our listeners, and we'll do it again next time when we have another episode of Golf Better at edwinwattsgolf.com. So long, everyone.